This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Listening to Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Here again is Dan Loney. More than 100,000 private photos and videos off the photo sharing service Snapchat and saved on the website snapsave.com have been compromised and leaked onto other websites. Several of them are A-list celebrities, but maybe of more concern is that a majority of these photos or videos from Snapchat are users who are teenagers, which could mean that many of the leaked photos could fall under pol- uh, po- under police jurisdiction as breaking child pornography laws. Chandra Hill is an assistant professor in the Operations and Information Management Department here at the Wharton School, and we welcome her on to the show today. Chandra, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Uh, most people probably thought it, it was obviously funny when some of these celebrities were having these photos leaked out, but obviously the celebs weren't happy, but this is a much different tune with the fact that so many teenagers use Snapchat. Oh, absolutely. And in fact, you know, obviously with the controversy, people um, were interested in celebrities, but I think it also prompted a broader discussion um, among, I I know myself and my colleagues about data encryption and sort of what people are actually putting out there online. And certainly, you know, to your point, um, there are potential ramifications for Snapchat because of the type of data and the use sharing photos on um, on Snapchat. Snapchatters uh, were, were victima- victimized by their use of third-party apps to send and receive these quote-unquote snaps. Uh, this is obviously a, a, another in a line of, of hacks that we have seen in a variety of different formats and, and different companies and such. This is something that we're going to be dealing with for quite some time. Even with if you do a better job of, of encrypting your data and your passwords and such, the hackers seem to be finding ways to be able to get around it. That's exactly right. And, you know, what's interesting is a lot of times these breaches are because of human error in some way, right? I mean, so um, you have weak links. Like, So even if a company, for example, like decides to install antivirus software, right? You have yeah. to make sure that the person... Um, that's responsible for the installation actually knows what they're doing. Yes. Um, humans sort of pick their first name as their password or even worse, you know, use the word password as mm-hmm. their password. So a lot of times, um, even if companies sort of take their best efforts to encrypt your data or, you know, keep it secure, um, you know, human error kind of plays a huge role a lot of times in um, data being leaked and these types of breaches. Now, Snapchat and SnapSave, are, are they tied in any way, shape, or form, or are they two totally separate entities? So as far as I, I can tell, they're two separate entities. Okay. But what's interesting, and I think what's important for consumers to note, is that a lot of times um, popular websites provide APIs, um, which basically give computer programmers the ability to access um, data, the data of the company. So, for example, Twitter and Facebook, um, Amazon even, they have APIs that allow other programmers to write third-party apps and Mm -hmm. access part of their data. And so um, what happens is 
their rules of kind of, their agreements and uh, service agreements and using the APIs, but not everybody abides by them, mm-hmm. right? So the point being that companies are tied, right? These third-party um, apps are tied to the company that's providing the data, but they might not always be playing by the rules. Yeah, I, I would imagine that even when you set up these type of agreements that the parent company wants to have certain levels of protection put into place so that these type of events don't happen, correct? Absolutely. I mean, so that's that's why they put agreements in place. Yeah. So the reason why these companies um, provide data and services through APIs is because they want to invoke what's called a viral loop. So by allowing third parties to build apps on top of their services, on top of their data, those third-party apps will then be marketing, if you will, um, the original company's services, right? right. So, um, and so that's why they do it to begin with, um, to bring sort of more users to their site through these third-party apps. So there's this fine line between, you know, providing data that could be useful for those third-party apps to um, build new services and, um, you know, kind of watching them and making sure they're using the data in the way that it was intended. We're talking with Chandra Hill, assistant professor here at the Wharton School, about the uh, leak uh, of the volumes of photos and videos uh, that were uh, published on Snapchat but saved on a different website, on a third-party site called SnapSaved. Your comments, 1-844-WHARTON, 1-844-942-7866 is the number. If you have a question about this, uh, you can uh, ask it of uh, Chandra. You're more than welcome to do so. Um, I guess then Snapchat is saying that that they were not compromised. And by the letter of the law, they were not. That's right. But they are kind of obviously tied in on this. And... It, it, I guess, in some respects, goes back to what we were just saying about the the relationship with a third party entity. That Snapchat may have to go out and really do a little bit higher level of policing uh, going forward with with various third parties that they might have involved in in with their content. That's right, and so they claim at least that they've been doing that, that they've been policing the app store and asking for apps to be taken down if they um, appear to sort of have malintent or um, are kind of suggesting that they're storing images. Um, But that's a really hard job, Um, you know. And so, um, you know, one solution could be to sort of not make their data available easily to kind of third-party apps. But otherwise, you know, it's really hard. And so I, you know, I would recommend that users of such services just be more aware about um, data security and really when providing any data in, you know, kind of digital form, um, you know, just be aware that that can be shared, right? And so a good rule of thumb is to, you know, not share anything that you don't want to show up on the front page of of the New York Times. And I really, you know, and sort of not to put the burden on the consumer, that's somewhat unfair if you're kind of going into this contract with a company that promises to keep your data secure. But the reality is that there's so many potential, um, you know, flaws when you're sharing data online with these companies that you just really have to be careful as a consumer of these services with with your own personal data. Yeah. And obviously for uh, because of the fact that Snapchat, as we alluded to at the top, is used by a lot of teenagers, Mm -hmm. this will 
obviously probably heightened the senses of, of a lot of parents right. uh, out there who obviously have to be worried about photos of their children being passed around the Internet. That's right. And so it's really interesting how, you know, you know what it seems snapshot snapshot sorry um came on board to do right i mean the whole idea behind it is to be able to share images that you really don't want to stick around for a while sure um and so to some extent right that's kind of prompting this behavior where people are sort of putting out images that are let's call them fun right i mean sure. but, you know yeah. i'm sure we can think of other names and so i think it's important for parents to kind of pay attention and have conversations about this because, you know, these companies are really trying to get everyone to kind of post data about themselves, whether it be, you know, things that people want to be tied to their name or mm -hmm. not. And so the cha the challenge is that, um, you know, when you're a consumer of these services is to, you know, really pay attention to what's happening with your data. And sometimes you just won't know as, you know, in this case. Now, the, the, the time frame in which Snapchat keeps uh, these pictures or videos up on the site is, what, 30 days? Something like that? Um, so suppose, it, I think it's supposed to be less than that, okay. actually. I don't know the exact number. Okay. All right. But, but obviously there are ways to get around that. So I, it makes me wonder if even if they are off of the, the, the site, are they truly gone forever? I mean, it, it would seem that... We, we see more times than not that data lives on in, in perpetuity uh, on, on the web. That's right. And so, you know, even if Snapchat was doing the best job it could at um, immediately deleting any images, right? And so oh. I think it wasn't 30 days. It was something like 10 seconds or 30 seconds, right? Like a, a much shorter time that they promised users, at least initially, that their, um, their pictures and videos would, would live on, even if they're doing what they promised on their side, you have to realize that these data are kind of traveling through m multiple points of contact, like yeah. as they kind of travel over the web. And at any point, data could be both stored and linked to um, an ID. People are sharing these images mostly through their phone. Yeah. And your phone, you know, is, is literally tied to your identity in that, um, you know, your phone number is tied to your social security number, your address, um, and your name. And there really isn't kind of true anonymity on the web. And I think people forget that, or at least are naive about it. Um, and so, you know, again, even if they promise to do this, it's not clear that they that they can. We're talking with Wharton uh, Assistant Professor Chandra Hill from the Operations and Information Management Department Service. Your comments, if you'd like, 1-844-WHARTON, 1-844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Now, Snapchat has, has had their issues with the FCC in the past mm -hmm. uh, about the, the supposed length of time of pictures that are actually up on the site. Yet there haven't been any major ramifications, to my knowledge, to this point uh, against Snapchat. Correct? Um, you mean in, in in relation to this recent breach, or in, in general? In general. Well, I mean, so my understanding was that they actually settled with the FCC on the first, or at least on one case that was brought against them, yeah. and. You know, the issues were more about the language. I think that they were using to communicate what they were doing to users. Um, in how they were suggesting that they were going to provide assurance of privacy, right? right. And again, sort of, it, it's really hard for for companies to really 
to really do that. And so my understanding is that they actually they actually settled with the FCC and then promised to, you know, take additional measures to maintain or at least try to keep data private and also change the language in their um, policy with users. No, um, go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, the issue with some of these things, though, is like, you know, that I think users need to be aware of um, is, you know, when you sort of go into a contract with an online company and, you know, click away at their, their privacy policy or terms of service, um, those are kind of the terms of service today, mm-hmm. right? And as the company evolves, whether, you know, they change the terms of service um, themselves or if another company acquires them, at any minute, for the most part, the terms of service can change, right? And while the company might then notify you, if you're not really paying attention, um, you know, you might have signed something away that you're not aware of, namely your data and the data that you're providing to these companies. So again, I just want to stress that um, users and consumers of these different apps and services should just be really careful about data that they put out there to begin with. And I would think that that chances are better than not that a lot of people would not catch if there was a change to the to the service agreement just because it, it, you know it, it's not something that I, I think you you think about a lot correct that's right and and you know and even even the first time you sign on right so it's a known fact that <laughs> that when people sort of download <laughs> an app they rarely kind of read the terms of service yeah. um, or the privacy policy. They just click away. Yep. And, you know, so even the first time, um, you know, you're probably, for most of these companies, sort of not just Snapchat, signing away um, your data rights, you know. Like, so in this particular case, they sort of promise that they're going to throw these things away. But there's also language yeah. um, that suggests that they own your data and they keep it. And that's the contract that, you know, you're you're – you're signing on when you download these apps and, and click away that you agree to the terms of service. Yeah, and obviously, you know, when you're when you're online or I should say on your smartphone and uh, the uh, the little box pops up and uh, uh, they say that they want to follow you from your location, you know, mm-hmm. so that they can mine even more data. That's right. I, I, I'm I'm one of those that that does don't allow every time because right. I because I don't want that. Right. Yeah, and I and I'm and I'm like you, like I I I don't want my my locations being tracked. However, if I need to use Google Maps or something like that, yeah. like I, you know, or Uber even, right, to yeah. sort of get a ride, like in some particular cases for apps that I use, like you have to let your location be known in order to to use the service. And so, um you have to be careful and and another point I think that um most people don't think about, and it's and it's not obvious that mm-hmm. even if you're not sharing your own data, your friends might be sharing data about you. So, for example, um, you know, for for apps that are tied to social networking sites like yep. Facebook and Twitter, um, sometimes when you sign on to these apps, the apps will not only collect your information, but like all of your friends, right? So the links to all of your friends, and so even if I'm not signing on to an app and giving permission. My friends might um, allow an app to have information about the connections that that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, if you're signing on to a site like LinkedIn, you might not say, okay, use my contact list. But if your friend says, you know, you can use my contact list um, or use their contact list, you might be in the list. Right? Sure. And so 
um, even if you don't share your personal data, there are other people that might be sort of naively sharing data about you. There's not a lot you can do in that case, right? Because you're you're That's kind right. of at the you're kind of at the whim of your friends. That's right. Unfortunately, uh, in terms of this case, when these videos and pictures are taken, and then they had the release of them the other day. Mm-hmm. How how prevalent is it? How easy is it for other entities out there to relatively quickly copy all of these pictures and videos for their own personal use? Yeah, it's not hard at all. I mean, they they have to be paying attention, right? right. And and frankly, there are hackers out there that you know sort of make it a sport <laughs> to kind of do things like this. Yeah. Um, and so they have to be paying attention. I mean, sometimes people um, kind of naively say, like, well, I'm not that interesting, right? So, like, why would anybody want to save my pictures or, or my data? But if you think about it, um, most people can come up with at least, like, one or two people that might want to sort of use their data against them, right? Think of a scorned ex-lover or, sure. you know, in the case of faculty, some student that maybe got a bad grade, right? And yeah. so, of course, most people are, are, are abide by the law and are, um, you know, don't sort of partake in that kind of behavior. But um, there are people that sort of make it a sport to go out and get your data. So to answer your question, it's pretty easy for somebody who's actually trying to do it, right? And the question is, like, will somebody be trying to collect your data? Are you that interesting? Right. We're talking with Chandra Hill, assistant professor uh, at the, the Wharton School. Now, let me ask you this, then, from from this particular situation, how much would the government get get involved because of the fact we're talking about over 100,000 pieces of, of, of data in terms of photos and videos? Could, would, would they be obviously jumping on this to try and see who these hackers are and, and, and try and alleviate some of the issues with it? Um, so it's interesting. Um you know, so I'm not I'm not a lawyer, so okay. I don't have a clean answer to that question. But my guess is, um, now that there's a question about children being involved, that that certainly, uh, or I shouldn't say certainly, but that at least will sort of raise some additional red flags. Right. Um, and um, and so they've already gotten involved, um, at, you know, a while back regarding the privacy policies and how they were communicating this information. So I wouldn't be surprised. Um, if, you know, if they got involved again. Uh, so, Chandra, I, I guess then the next question is, is that if, if with this being teenagers and if the government does get involved, this is, uh, a, 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 I guess, a dangerous area that we're going to have to go into. It has been a problem for quite some time, but the protections that people need to have on their on their computers daily what is the general philosophy? Is it you need to probably change your your passwords and check your your settings every every few months? Yeah, I mean, I would say at least that. Um, you know, sort of the rule of thumb changes as um, you know, sort of we're putting more and more data out there and um, need to be assured by more and more companies. Um, I think at the very least, uh, to the extent that you can encrypt your passwords and your files, um, you should try to do that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, note that companies are, you know, kind of storing your data. And there's, and, and, and there's very 
little you can do, really, against somebody who wants to take your data away from you. Sure. But as you alluded to a little bit earlier uh, here in the interview, that there has to be an expectation by the user, Mm -hmm. and if it's a teenager, by the user's parents, Mm -hmm. that this data that they are sending to friends, whatever it might be, is technically it's not private because of the fact that you're using the Internet and the openness of the Internet in general. You you just can't have that expectation, can you? That's right. You you absolutely cannot because um, the data are oftentimes being kind of transferred across multiple servers, and, you know, there could be a, a weak link at any sort of point in this transmission. So I think people should assume that their data is not going to be, you know, like they should assume that it, it if they're sort of sending data over the internet that it will be stored and perhaps will be used again. We're talking with Chandra Hill uh, of the Wharton School, uh, Assistant Professor in Operations and Information Management. So from Snapchat's perspective, what culpability or uh, yeah, I guess that's the best word. What culpability do they have in this whole process? Well, I mean, they're they're a company that is, um, you know, that has users and and they want to continue to have users. So I don't think it's a um, it's a good thing that people perceive their site to be insecure, right, or to not be secure. Right. Um, and so I think they should take as much effort as they can to, you know, communicate their services to their users as well as to um, to protect their data. But the reality is that all of these companies are in the business of collecting your data. Yeah. Um, and so they, um, you know, they are offering these services for free um, to basically make us users the product. Um, and so, you know, to the extent that they want to continue to have um, users using their service, I think they should offer uh, protection. Chandra, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Lots of great information. Uh, and unfortunately, I think we're going to be talking about these types of events for a long time to come. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.